I wonder if you've rehearsed the story in your own mind. I wonder if you've contemplated the significance of these events. Friends, I want to encourage you to take your copy of the Scriptures this morning and turn with me to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. We'll pick up in verse 26 in just a moment. You see, I can only imagine, because it's not written for us, what this must have been like for Mary. I, I know songs have been written. But you see, she was just newly engaged. And the engagement of the day was really on par with being married in the sense that to break off this engagement, you would need to go to the gates of the city, the city hall of its day, and divorce. And because they looked at marriage in such a high and holy way, engagements lasted a year. Not to see if they got along, my friends, primarily to see if they were faithful. Very, very important holiness of the people of God. So very, very important. But you can only imagine Mary wondering about this relationship with Joseph. He's a carpenter. What kind of house will they have? What will life be like for them? Remember that old Doris Day song, you know, Que Sera, Sera, you know? When I was a little girl, I asked my mother, what will life be? Will I be pretty? Will I be rich? Of all things to be considering. And here's what she said to me. Hey, whatever will be, will be. But she wondered. There's no doubt every, everyone does contemplating, asking Melanie to marry me, I had two questions on my mind. The one of the questions was, was, is this who God wants me to love the rest of my life? There's no doubt I could. I mean, who couldn't? But is this what God wants? And will we have children? I'm sure the thought crossed her mind. Maybe three, maybe four. And what will they be like? Carpenters like their father. Well, the fact is, friends, she didn't have to wonder long. Because if indeed, if Mary wondered about her future, she would soon be told exactly what was coming. So take a look with me at Luke chapter 1, verse 26. We're going to look at the announcements of the birth of Christ both first to Mary and then to Joseph. And we're going to see some similarities and some differences in the announcement. Notice first and foremost in verse 26 of Luke chapter 1, we see that in the sixth month, and we presume the sixth month was perhaps of the engagement, we don't know. But in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God. Now, this isn't even the first time in this chapter Gabriel has been mentioned. 
You see, before even visiting Mary, the angel Gabriel visited a young Elizabeth and Zechariah and announced that they would have a baby. And, and then announced this to Zechariah, and Zechariah was blown away. What do you mean? I'm an old guy, and so is she. That ship has sailed. How can this be? And you know what Gabriel said in response to that? He says, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And the fact that I'm standing here ought to mean something to you. God is at work. God is stirring the pot. He is about to fulfill hundreds and hundreds of prophecies about his son Jesus. And so here in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God. And again, this is the same angel that was sent to Daniel multiple times in his prophecies about the future of Israel. And the same angel that was sent to Zechariah here in verse, uh, well, 20, I think it is in this same chapter. And so this is, this is not one of those angels that no one's ever heard of, my friends. This is some seriously big news. And he appeared to Mary. And perhaps it has crossed your mind, why her? Of all of the young women throughout all of the nation of Israel, why Mary? And what do we know about Mary? Is there anything particular that stands out about her? I mean, she was a Jewess of the tribe of Judah. That's pretty significant. Because in Genesis chapter 49... I think it's verse 10, but it's that chapter. Jacob is blessing, he's about to die, and he's going through and blessing his sons. And do you know what he says about Judah? The scepter will never depart from this line. You want to be king over Israel? You've got to be of the line of Judah. And so she is of the tribe of Judah. She is a descendant of David. And you know how significant that is from 2 Samuel chapter 7. God made a covenant with David. We've told this story and we will continue to tell it so that it is clear in your mind. That the significance is David wanted to build a literal house for God. And God had said, no, but I will build a house for you. And he was talking about a dynasty. And all of the prophets and all of the prophecies move through the line of Judah, through the line of David. And there's a few things along the line, including a dude named Jeconiah, in which he is cursed. And that's it. Ain't no kings coming from this guy's line. Though you may be a descendant of David, nobody's coming through this line. That's why those those genealogies at the beginning of the gospel are so important, the question must be answered. Is this guy even biblically qualified to be the fulfillment of all of these prophecies? And we notice that she is a virgin. She's engaged to a carpenter. And his name is Joseph. Joseph. 
And apparently, both of them were poor. And we would see that in uh, Luke uh, 2 and verse 24, where they go to make a sacrifice. Two options available. This is what you offer unless you are poor. Then you offer this. And that is what they offered. So here we have this poor family, this, this young family starting out, wondering what could be. Pretty significant, my friend, is that her hometown is in the Galilee of Nazareth. Yeah, it's true that uh, Jesus was born in Bethlehem and they had made this journey like everyone else this time of year. You know, that thus the traveling and thus the looking for a place to sleep and yeah. But her hometown was the city of Nazareth. And that's significant. Because uh, in Matthew 2 and verse 23, you know, the prophets identify, you know, it's just generic prophets. If you look up this for a quote, you'll never find it. But in a comprehensive way, he, the Messiah, the Christ, will be called a Nazarene. And so we know her hometown is significant. We know that her virginity is essential. In verse 27, we see that he appeared to Mary. God sent, to, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent to God to a city in Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph. And again, of the house of David. See how significant that is here, friends? You can't be king over Israel if you are not from his line. And the virgin's name was Mary. And so her hometown is significant because of the prophets. It's, uh, her virginity is significant because of the prophecy of Isaiah 7.14. That a virgin shall give birth, uh, give, give birth? How is this possible? Well, you and I know. But that's all the way back in Isaiah 7.14, talking about virginity. Now, the fact is, the Hebrew word Alma, translated virgin, can be seen in one of two ways. A young woman or an actual virgin. A woman who has not known a man. But in the Greek, it is extraordinarily significant and specific that it says Mary is an actual virgin, not just a young woman. The fact is, she probably is quite a young woman, probably in her teens, as was the practice of the day. And you don't have to go back far in our country to see the same thing. People getting married in their early teens to late teens. Probably know somebody. Yes? Raise your hand. Give me a name. No, don't. <laughs> so here she is, a young woman. She is a virgin. She's kept herself pure. And this virginity is significant because of the prophecy. If it don't fit the Bible, my friends, he ain't the one. And finally, because of the incarnation. Finally, just on the way in this morning, riding with Melanie, thinking about 
just the, the significance of this event that the God who spoke and brought everything into creation is now in a woman's uterus. For nine months, and then he comes out a helpless little baby. Can't control his fingers. They wiggle and waggle and his arms flail around. And this is the God we worship. That's a great love right there, friends. That Jesus would humble himself and experience such a thing. And so when we talk about the selection of Mary, her hometown, of course, is important, uh, but she wasn't the only one. Her virginity is significant here, you know, because of prophecy, because of the incarnation, but ultimately because of God's grace. Do you know why God chose Mary? Because he is a God of grace. It is not because she deserved it. It is not because she was sinless. It was because God is a God of grace. It's the same reason he may have chosen you. If you are a follower of Christ today, it is not because you're smarter than anyone else. It is because God is a God of grace. We are saved by his grace through faith. And even the faith comes from God that we might believe. And so the identity of the messenger, significant. The selection of Mary, important. But the revelation to Mary is where the meat is in this passage. Notice verse 31. Gabriel comes to Mary, who is this young woman awaiting this, this marriage, this celebration day when the groom would leave with all of his family and friends and go to the, uh, to the bride's house and take her with him to his own home. It is a picture of Christ coming. It is a beautiful picture, my friends. And he lays out some important truths for her life. You know what's coming around the corner for you? He says, behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. And perhaps at that moment, her heart leapt. Oh, a son. I was hoping I would have a son. But it doesn't stop there. Not only did he tell her what you're going to have, and isn't that a big deal for women too? Oh, we're going to get the scan and find out it's a boy or a girl and we can start working on a name. Didn't have to work on a name because Gabriel says, and you shall call his name Jesus. And you remember the name Jesus means the Lord's salvation. But it doesn't end there. Notice verse 32. Look at how significant this is. You're going to have a baby. It's going to be a boy. You're going to name him Jesus. And can you comprehend how overwhelming this must sound? The angel appears to her and says, you're going to have a son. You're going to name him Jesus, and he will be great. And he will be called the son of the most high. Her baby is going to be God. 
Friends, if, if that doesn't sound like nonsense to your mind, the incomprehensible that this young woman is going to give birth to the Son of God. Astounding. And then Gabriel tells of his future. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. You see this pounded over and over and over again. That he is the king. He is the anointed one. That word Christ isn't Jesus' middle name, my friends. You know, it isn't Jesus Carpenter, middle name Christ. The word Christ means anointed one. He's the one that all of the Older Testament and its prophecies pointed to. You say, who's the one? He's the one. He is the Christ. The religious leaders, they got tired of watching his miracles and listening to his teaching and everyone wondering, is he the Christ? And they came out and asked him, just tell us, are you the Christ or are you not? Are you the one, quote, we've been waiting for? And he told them he was. But they wanted the Christ to be different than Jesus. They wanted him to come as a king, not a servant. And they ultimately crucified him. Well, my friends, they laid out the destiny. And then the angel continues, if not the most amazing message delivered to anyone at any time. He communicates the supernatural means of this pregnancy. And notice verse 34, Mary says to the angel, how will this be since I'm a virgin? Like, wait a minute. Doesn't it sound like Zechariah? He said, how's this going to be? I'm old and she's old. It don't happen no more. And the angel, you remember what the angel did? (laughs) I'm going to tell you why it's going to happen in the certainty And he took away Zechariah's ability to speak. Not happening here, though. You see, Gabriel knew that Zechariah was doubting the truth, the veracity of this truth. But not so with Mary. Mary simply said, how can this be? I'm a virgin. You don't have a baby because you got a cold. (laughs) You don't have a baby because you walked next to some pregnant woman. Everybody knows how you have a baby. And Mary says, how can this be? How can I possibly have a a child if I'm a virgin? And the angel answered her, verse 35, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And therefore the child to be, be, to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And there it is again, words to just pound into her head. You see, the pregnancy will be the work of the Holy Spirit, and the child will be the Son of God. And then like every other prophecy, it seems throughout the scriptures, when God reveals something gigantic down the road, he will often give a sign 
as a demonstration of the truthfulness of it. Again, like Zechariah, you know, you're going to have a baby, he's going to do some great things and powerful things, you know. Well, how can this be? Well, here's your first sign of the truthfulness of this. You won't be able to say a word until he's born. Little micro-miracle, my friend. And here's this pattern. And so the angel says, you want some evidence of the truthfulness? Behold, verse 36, your relative Elizabeth, remember the old one, the really old dude couple, you know? Yeah, and here it is mentioned. Yeah. Behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has conceived a son. And this is in the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. Nothing will be impossible with God. Nothing will be impossible with God. And how would you respond to such an event? You can't possibly know because you can't possibly put her in, put yourself in her circumstances. But we know what she did. And perhaps this is the final reason. The grace of God and the submission of Mary. You know, it seems to be that God uses in the most powerful ways those who are willing to be used. Let me say that one again. God tends to use in the most powerful ways those who are willing to be used of him. And look at her response. Verse 38, and Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. And we see Mary's surrender. Her response to God's revelation was, whatever it is your will, I'm in. Whatever the cost, whatever people might say, hey, I noticed that Mary seems to be, uh, you know, glowing over there. What's going on? She's not even married. And all of the things that might be said about her by the people who have said that they love her. You see, back in the day, some young woman ends up pregnant. They drag her to the city gate, and it isn't about a divorce, and it isn't about a marriage, my friend. At that point, people start picking up rocks and pummeling her till she's dead that they might keep Israel holy. Pretty significant commitment. Pretty high cost as well. Well, that's the announcement to Mary, and that's pretty gigantic. But let's take a look at the announcement to Joseph. That's in Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. And we'll start in verse 18 where we will notice that Joseph never got the warning. You know what warning Joseph got? He found out his, 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 the love of his life, the one he longed to live with and to grow with and to raise a family with, she's pregnant. We can only imagine the hurt. 
Verse 18, now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child. And as we learned in Luke, from the Holy Spirit. But I want you to notice how he responded. Exceptional people they were. And her husband Joseph, being a just man, and unwilling to put her to shame or to death, resolved to divorce her quietly. I'm not going to bring shame to her name. I'm not going to be running through the streets and saying, look at this lousy woman and what she has done to me. He said, this is where we separate. He acted in a compassionate way, but you know what? He was stopped by an angel. And look at what the angel did. First and foremost, verse 20, he confirmed Mary's faithfulness. Verse 20, but as he, that's Joseph, considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him. Joseph just got a regular old generic angel. You know, we got Gabriel, the great Gabriel, going to Mary. Joseph gets a guy saying, hey, before you act, there's a few things you need to know. Angel Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Uh-huh. How does anyone believe this? These are difficult things. Now, this is the word of God that you and I know to be true. So it is astounding to me to see how these young people respond to such difficult days. And so the angel explains the pregnancy. That which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And then he gave Joseph some very clear instruction. Verse 21, she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Well, that makes it nice and easy to agree on a name. You know, I wanted to name Alex Westminster, but Melanie, no, she said your middle name, and that's where we're going. Now, I tease you, but, uh, but you know, that more than one person has had a disagreement about naming a child. There we go. And you shall name him Jesus. Why? For he shall save his people from their sins. We mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. But hear me when I say this. Jesus did not come simply to save you from hell. He came to rescue you from sin and all of its destruction. And restore all that was lost in the fall. That we would have intimate fellowship with him. That we would walk with him. That we would never have a door with a lock on it. Because it would never be necessary. Because people will love one another. That is the future. That is the destiny of every believer. It's not about what the streets are made of, my friend. 
It's what God has wrought that will make eternity so wonderful. Save them from our sins. Astounding. And all this took place, verse 22, to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, of the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name, you ready for it? Emmanuel, God with us. This son is the son of God. He is very God of very God. And Joseph like his young wife, obeyed. Verse 24, when Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. (coughs) Excuse me. He took his wife. He knew her not until the day she had given birth to a son, and she called his name Jesus. It is a wonderful story, my friends, but the truth is even more important, that Jesus is the God-man who came to save us from our sin. It's not about Santa, and we can go through and look at the history and say there really was this guy named St. Nicholas or something or other, and, and we don't know if he had a big white beard and he wore a red coat, but what we do know is that God so loved the world that he sent his only son to add humanity to himself, that he might be our family, that he might die in our place, that we might be reconciled to God, that we might be adopted into his family, and that we might one day live in his presence. Let's not forget the significance of Christmas. And perhaps we can start a few new Christmas traditions. We could practice Christ throughout the year. We could pray in Jesus' name, which does not mean tacking that phrase at the end of your prayer. And now I suddenly have your attention because you want to know what that means. And I'm going to cough first. I'll turn this way first, though. (coughs) All done. Still not COVID. Um, we will notice that uh, what it means to pray in Jesus' mean, name is to request, to make requests that are consistent with Jesus' will and his character and for his glory. Offering prayers and petitions to God that are consistent with his will. And his ways. And his character. And for his glory. And so we evaluate what we're praying about. God, just make my life easier. Is that what brings glory to God? God, give me the grace to endure what I face. That I might honor you. That others might look on and see your character being shaped in my life. Maybe we can move from praying in Jesus' name to serving in Jesus' name. 
serving in a way that is consistent with his will and his example of humility and character. Or just maybe we can proclaim Jesus to a lost and dying world. A world that without Jesus will be eternally separated from his goodness, his kindness, his compassion, his love. And that, my friends, is hell. Let's tune our hearts with Christmas and reshape our thinking about these days ahead and honor him.